Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so great to have you with us. As you just heard Darlene say a few seconds ago, we're right in the middle of a little four-part series entitled Hand of God. And I'm not exactly sure what comes to mind when you hear that phrase, Hand of God. But for me, it's always a source of encouragement. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 6 says, Your right hand is what? Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand shatters the enemy. Psalm 98.1 puts it this way. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. So again, I find uh, conversation and talk about the hand of the Lord very encouraging. And I could go on like this all morning long. When I think of the hand of God, it brings hope and comfort. It's inspirational to me. Uh, The hand of God creates a good amount of courage and confidence. And that's the spirit behind this series. That's what we're trying to do all during the month of September, is to infuse your soul with some hope. How many of you could use a little bit more hope? Uh, You know, we come together on a Sunday morning, we sing these powerful and wonderful worship songs We talk about the Lord moving among us. We ask him to come down and have his way among us. And then we act uh, like we're not connected or related to God at all. And so what we're trying to do here on the heels of the Sermon on the Mount, when we talked all about uh, Jesus teaching to us, we were trying to fire you up a little bit and try to get you to a place where you understand that God is for you and not against you. Uh, Can I get you to say amen? God is for me. Say that. God is for me and not against me. And so we want to take some time with this this series to showcase the greatness of our God. In addition to encouraging you, we want you to know that we serve a great God. And I'm talking about his strength and his salvation, his protection and power, and his might and majesty. In all of these divine attributes that we talk about, how many of you know they're for our benefit? Amen. These are characteristics of God that belong to us. See, the greatness of our God is not lost on the heartbreaking elements of this world. All of the tragedies that we face, all of the things that go wrong, the right hand of God is still available to us today. That's what Isaiah said in 41.10. Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. This is God talking. I will strengthen you and help you. God says to you, I will strengthen you and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, I believe that. It's not just a verse of scripture that we quote or that we, that we read from the word of God. The promise of God 
to be a part of our lives, to be present in our lives. It's paramount. It's really important. And according to the YouVersion app, this Bible verse, Isaiah 41.10, was the number one verse of scripture during the pandemic. Out of 31,102 verses, that's how many verses you have in the Bible, Isaiah 41.10 was read, downloaded, memorized, and cling to more than any other verse. I mean, oh, that's big. God said in Isaiah 41.10, I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I believe he was telling us the truth. Now, if I were to make the statement this morning that our world is moving in the wrong direction, how many of you would agree with me? If I were to say that our culture, instead of pursuing God, is becoming less and less engaged, would that be a fair statement? I think it would be. But how many of you also know that the human tendency to turn in the direction away from God is nothing brand new? You only have to read through a few verses of the Old Testament to confirm that. And it was Solomon who taught us, good old Solomon, that there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, listen, back in Jesus' day, in Jerusalem, the center of the religious world, the people totally missed their day of visitation. Can you understand that? In Jerusalem, they openly and publicly rejected the Son of God, and they saw Jesus in the flesh. How does something like that happen? How is that even possible, that the people of God could miss God so badly? Well, we get a little distracted, right? And we misinterpret God's intentions. And these days, because the world is so far off base, Good intending preachers, they try to leverage the concept and the image of God's hand by preaching punishment, wrath, and the coming judgment. And as a result, oftentimes, the hand of God is viewed as an instrument of power and control. And if we don't get our act together, the heavy hand of God is going to crush us to pieces. Friends, I don't see it that way. Our God is not a monster. Amen. And he's not looking to destroy. That's not the God that we serve. And I'll be the first one to admit our world needs a reset and a revival. No argument there. But I wholeheartedly believe the promise of God in Isaiah 41.10. When God says, you can count on me. Back in Old Testament time, Back in New Testament time and even today, you can count on me to be with you, to walk with you, to help you, to strengthen you, and to uphold you with my powerful and righteous right hand. So let me say it again. The attributes of God that we talk about, that we sing about, the power of our great God, they're more than just words. They're for our benefit and the right hand of God, it benefits me, not just everyone else. His powerful right hand is for me. God is not for 
He, he's not for everyone else and not me. He's for me too. He's for us and not against us. That's what the Bible says. And it doesn't articulate or declare the power and greatness of our God just to pad or inflate his already super impressive resume. God wants us to acknowledge his power and then to be fully convinced that he has the ability to sustain us and see us through. I'll say that again. God has the ability to sustain us and to see us through regardless of what we face. And so today, in lesson number two of this series, Hand of God series, what I want to do is I want you to see the hand of God as a place of shelter and safety. Can I get you to say that? Shelter and safety. The hand of God is an agent. It's a place of shelter and it's a place of safety. And many of us here uh, understand the beauty of Psalm 91. In fact, we quoted it earlier in the service when we got started. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 says this, Whoever dwells in the secret or the shelter of the Most High, the secret place of the shelter of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, who, who's doing the talking? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, He is my God in whom I trust. Can I ask you, where are you putting the majority of your trust these days? Think about that for just a minute. In Washington? On Wall Street? Found the market here lately? Putting your trust in science? Or Social Security? And friends, all of these institutions are essential and necessary. We need them. But our refuge our shelter, and our place of safety is the Lord. I'll say it again, it's the Lord. They tell me it's probably a good idea, it's smart and wisdom to invest and to save money for retirement and to have a 401k. I, I, I've been doing that, sacrificing things I could buy and have today to put some money aside for later on in life. But that 401k is not where I put my trust. The amount of investments and the amount of money and things we have, it's not where I put my trust. I put my trust in the Lord. He's our refuge. He's our shelter. David said, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone, he is my rock, my fortress, and my salvation. I will never be shaken. And when you read through the Bible carefully, and you take some time to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is communicating, you will find out and discover that trouble is a God magnet. God does not turn and go in the other direction when we face adversity and trouble. In fact, again, the psalmist said, God is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. When we find ourselves in trouble, that's when we can pretty much bet and believe that God's going to be right there with us. Amen. The scripture confirms it. The scripture tells us over and over again that God will not leave us. 
Now, earlier we watched a 9-11 video in remembrance of what happened 21 years ago on September 11th, 2001, when our nation was forever changed. And at that time, every time I turned on the news or, or watched any kind of a newscast at, at all, on September 11th and in the weeks following, from coast to coast, two different questions were being asked over and over again. News media asking the same two questions over and over again. First question was, how did we let this happen? Come on, we're the United States of America. How in the world did we let that happen here? And the second question that I heard over and over again, and maybe my ears were more tuned to it because of what I do, but the second question I kept hearing or inference being made, where was God in all of this? If he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful and he's the God of love that all you preachers talk about, where was he on 9-11? How in the world did God allow all of that pain and that suffering to take place? Is it just me or does it just appear that God usually gets a bad rap for everything wrong that happens in our world? Like the first time anything goes wrong, unbelievers call him out. They all jump on the bandwagon and point to him and hold God responsible. You know, the truth be told, that oftentimes as believers, we're dragged into that same mindset and mentality. And when we face storms and when we go through heartaches and when we are experiencing the raging winds, you know, a lot of times we're tempted to ask the same question. Where's God in all this? Why hasn't he delivered me? And why didn't he stop it and prevent it and shut it all down before it even started to happen? That was the question I heard over and over again. And when I hear that, especially when the news media badmouths God or implicates him as not being a good God, it compels me, it just pushes me to do a little research. And please don't misunderstand me. Not for a second... Am I attempting to undermine or diminish all of the devastation that took place on September 11th, 21 years ago? There was a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And if there was just one death on 9-11, it would have been one death too many. So I know that there was loss. And it was tragic. However, what I'm trying to address here is the question, where was God? Where was God that day? And without taking the time to detail it out, I want you to know that 75,000 people were directly targeted for death that day. 75,000. That's the number that the terrorists had in mind. And if the planes that had been hijacked were running at full passenger capacity instead of 20 to 25%, which was unheard of. And if all 50,000 World Trade Center workers would have been at their desk and working that day, and if the plane that flew into the Pentagon wouldn't have been so far off base, 
the death toll could have easily been 75,000 people, not 2,977. And again, every death was catastrophic, every life that was lost. But 96% of the people marked for death were spared. Are you getting that? 96%, 72,000 and change. And their stories, when you hear them, uh, their testimonies of protection were miraculous. So you ask me the question, where was God on 9-11? I, I have a response for you. My conclusion is, he was there. In fact, there's an Old Testament name for God, one that he revealed to us, called Jehovah Shammah. Do you know what that means? It means the Lord is there. That's right what it means. And so God was at the World Trade Center. And God was at the Pentagon. And God was in Pennsylvania. And he was on all four of those hijacked planes. And God was doing what God does best. Walk with us and be with us during our deepest despair and our darkest hour. That's the God that we serve. Now, like you, I wish God would put a stop to all of the evil and the wickedness in our world. Could you imagine a world without pain and suffering? I sure can. And he could do it. How many know he has the power to do it? God can dominate and dictate all things like that. And there's a day coming when that's going to happen. The scripture tells us very clearly that a day is coming when the devil, the enemy of our soul, is finally cast into the lake of fire, his eternal resting place. And when that happens, Revelation 21.4 says, there's going to be a whole lot of rejoicing in heaven and on earth. Revelation 21.4 says, God will wipe away every tear There'll be no more death, no more sorrow or suffering, no more pain, and all these things will be removed from the earth and gone forever. Again, that day is coming. But to do it now would interfere with God's perfect timing and his master calendar. And it would undermine his laws of creation and human freedom, regardless of how wicked and perverted the human race gets. And so what God does in the meantime is he promises us that he will be with us to help us and to strengthen us. He gives us his refuge and his shelter. And that's the truth we have to stand on with both feet. That's what we have to pray. That's what we have to believe. We have to trust in God's ability to do that. And again, in Psalm 138, it was David who wrote, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand. You're what? You're what? You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. To me, there are very few drawings or images as inspirational as seeing the little hand of a child firmly grasped in the bigger hand of his father or mother. 
That's the picture. That's the image that we're trying to project with this series. And to me, that picture, it conveys and communicates a compelling message. You know, when I take my grandson, Giovanni, he's seven years old. When I take him shopping for yet another toy shopping spree, usually at Target, as soon as he gets out of the car, his hand goes in mine, no exceptions, every time. And the whole idea here is on the walk from the car where I parked it in the parking lot till I get into the store, whichever store it is, nothing bad is going to happen to that little boy because I'm just not going to allow it. See, that's the heart of our God. That's who God is to us. He walks with us hand in hand. He is with us regardless of the adversity that we face, regardless of the raging storms that we find ourselves in. He offers a place of refuge and a place of safety, and he says to us over and over again, I will help you and I will strengthen you. One more passage for, for those of you who need it. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake with their surging, we will not fear. Verse 11 tells us why we can be so confident and unafraid. It says, because the Lord Almighty is with us. Amen. Not just the Lord, but the Lord Almighty. Not just God, but God Almighty. The El Shaddai, the one who's powerful, the one who controls all things. That is the God who is with us. And he's with us every step of the way. Now, I want to tell you one last story. It comes from the Old Testament, but before you get excited about it being the last story, I'll just go on record saying it's a long story. <laughs> uh, so hang in there with me, okay? Way back in the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that God encountered a good man by the name of Abram, and God loved Abram. And because he loved him so much, he gave him a nickname. He named him Abraham. Typically, our nicknames are shorter, but God gave Abram a longer name. And one day, Abraham was walking along, the scripture tells us, and God showed up. God joined Abraham on his walk. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to look to the north and to the south, the east and west. As far as your eye can see, all the land, all the territory you see right here, Abraham, I want you to know that I am going to give this to you. You're not going to have to pay for it. I'm going to give you all this land to your, to your descendants as an inheritance. God told Abraham that. Now, was God telling the truth? God always tells the truth. That's an easy one. Yeah, he was telling the truth. Only Abraham wasn't alive uh, to enjoy it. The scripture tells us some 400 years later, a warrior by the name of Joshua led Abraham's descendants across the river Jordan, past the walls of Jericho, and into the promised land. 
And it was everything that God said it was and more. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was the most gorgeous and beautiful land in the entire territory. It was rich in soil. It was beautiful in situation. And God gave this land to Abraham's descendants. Now, the scripture tells us prior to Joshua taking possession of the promised land that God gave some instructions to Moses. Remember, before Joshua, Moses was in charge. And he led the people from Egypt to the promised land. Those 40 years in the desert place. That was Moses' assignment, to get them there. And during those 40 years, as the children of Israel were walking through the wilderness, God gave Moses a specific plan of what life was going to look like in Canaan. He, he mapped it all out. He did not leave one stone unturned. He covered every base. And he made provision for everything that his people would encounter in the new land. And he went ahead and he fought their battles. He gave every family an inheritance. He established a worship system. He masterminded the Levitical priesthood. And God became God to that people. He favored them above all the other peoples of the earth, the Bible says. And just like he promised Abraham, God began to pour out his blessing on his people and now we're talking about blessing after blessing after blessing. And one such blessing is recorded in Numbers chapter 35, verses 9 through 14. Are, are you still with me? All right, let's read this. This is something, instruction that the Lord gave to Moses that they were to implement once they got into the promised land. Then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, select some towns to be your cities of refuge. Say what? Cities of refuge. Shelter or places of safety to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. They will be places of refuge from the avenger so that anyone accused of murder may not die before they stand trial before the assembly. These six towns you give will be your cities of refuge. All right, I'm going to explain this to you in just a moment. Hopefully you'll be able to understand it. Remember, I told you this was a long story. But first, before I talk about this passage, I'm wondering how many of you might have been on the receiving end of a neighborhood or a schoolyard bully, someone that would harass you and push you around for no apparent reason. When we talk about bullies today, uh, I think there's always been bullies in our world. Um, I had a kid like that in my life when I was growing up. He was a heavy set kid, and he liked to slap me in the face. He'd come up from behind me and he hit me. Uh, thankfully, he was a little slow, and so when I ran, uh, I was faster than him, and he, he could never catch me. Now, I can joke about it now, but back then, it was no laughing matter. In fact, that kid, uh, and what he did to me over a period of years, it caused me to have some nightmares. And at night, uh, I, you know, when I was sleeping, I would 
sensed that this kid was behind me and I was running as fast as I could trying to get away from him and I could hear his heavy footsteps behind me and sense his breathing down my neck. And in those moments as I was trying to run and get away from him, I was secretly hoping and praying that a teacher would see it and, and save me or that there might be a building that I could run into knowing that he would back off. And such was the case in Old Testament times. There was a whole lot of running and a whole lot of chasing going on. Only it didn't happen in the schoolyard. And there was a whole lot more involved than just a little pushing and shoving or getting a bloody nose. No, what I'm describing to you now is a matter of life and death. You see, back in those days, judicial systems did not exist. In fact, they were unheard of. And people kept law and order much differently than we do today. In Bible times, the law of the land was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So, if you happen to kill someone accidentally or was responsible for the death of that person, maybe your camel or your car, your cow, you didn't have a car, maybe they accidentally ran that person over then what would happen is the tribe that suffered loss, they would meet together as a group and immediately they would identify what was called a blood avenger. And the whole purpose of the blood avenger was to locate the person who was responsible for their family member's death, chase them down, hunt them down, find them, and kill them on the spot. No question asked. So, no calling the police, you know, that we got the guy. No reading of rights, no trial by jury. Just cold-blooded revenge. That's how it happened. The blood avenger did not stop. He did not rest. He did not at all give up his responsibility or his assignment until it was complete. Once the tribal meeting was held, the chase was on, and the blood avenger did not dare return to camp until he had evidence of the kill. And some of you thinking right about now, that was a pretty unfair system, especially if it was an accident. And you're absolutely right. It was unfair. But it was the only system they had. No one could come up with a better system, so that's the one that worked. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth all the way around. Until one day, God said, hold everything. Time out. And because he's God, he modified the plan, and he came up with a concept that no one had ever heard before. In fact, it just blew everybody away. We read about it in Numbers 35 just a few moments ago. That's what God said. He said, Moses... When you get to the land of Canaan, you've never heard of this, you've never seen this in Egypt, nobody's ever had this idea before, but when you get into Canaan, what I want you to do is I want you to build six different cities. I want you to scatter these cities out throughout the entire territory, and I want them to be uh, placed in a position where it's evenly spread out. And furthermore, God said to Moses, I want you to build roads to these cities. I want them to be clearly marked out, 
and I want signs that are very clear for everyone to see. And I want those signs to be checked regularly because if there's ever a, an occasion where someone has been accused of a crime or accused of a murder, I want them to know exactly where they have to go in order to flee into safety. And God demanded the signs be checked all the time. He wanted those cities of refuge, six of them, clearly marked out. And if the person responsible for the homicide made it to the city of refuge before the avenger killed them, or before the avenger caught them, then the chase was off. That person who ran and made it to the city of refuge, he could no longer be pursued. The blood avenger could not touch him or harm him in any way. Did you understand that? Let me repeat it again. Outside of the city of refuge, it was open season. If that person who committed the, the homicide, even if it was an accident, if he was caught by the blood avenger, he could be instantly killed on the spot. But once inside the city limits of the cities of refuge, the blood avenger had to back off. He could not touch that person. And just so there's no misunderstanding, making it to the city of refuge didn't mean that you were off the hook. You had to plead your case before the magistrate or before the assembly, and they would determine whether or not it was accidental or if it was done on purpose. If it was determined that the death was accidental, that person, the one who was accused, was allowed to live, and the blood avenger had to go home. There was nothing else that he could do. The only downside is the person had to live there in that city of refuge for the rest of their lives. The accuser, uh, pardon me, the accused had to stay there for the rest of his life or until the high priest died, which is another sermon. Again, if he snuck out, let's say that the, the assembly said it was accidental, he's living there, two years later he decides, you know, I want to go visit my girlfriend or I need a pizza, and the Avengers lying in wait, he was dead meat. But inside the city of refuge, he could not be touched. It's a great story. I love it. Can you tell? As we bring the message to a close, Apart from the obvious, do you have any idea why God would introduce this whole city of refuge idea in the first place? Any idea? Because built and bound up in the heart of God is this unrelenting desire to provide a place of refuge and safety for his people. This whole concept that I described to you today and this story in the Old Testament, everything that we've been talking about so far this morning is to reveal to us God's willingness to create a place of refuge for those who are continually harassed and oppressed of the enemy. Those who are always seeming to be bullied or chased by the pressures and the stress and the struggles of life. We may not always know, 
that people are going through some things today. In fact, God knew that there would come a time when we all would need to find spiritual havens of rest. When we all would be faced with storms and trouble and adversity. And God says when that happens, when you feel like you're alone and nobody understands and that I'm nowhere to be found, I want you to be able to have confidence in the fact that I will help you and I will strengthen you and you can count on me to be with you. That I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the message that we receive from these verses of scripture that talk about God's hand and his willingness to save us and to fight for us and to bring us the victory. Amen. Now, uh, we're going to close out our service in song in just a moment, but before we do that, I've asked my wife, Pastor Therese, to come and just uh, pray a prayer over the congregation. Now, most of you um, know Pastor Therese, but there might be some of you that are new to the church, some of you who've connected with us online, and you just You've never met her. Uh, you, you don't know um, the ministry that Pastor Therese is involved in. Uh, she's been uh, the leader and the director and head of our prayer ministry for the past 30 years. And I want you to know, that, and I say this truthfully, she prays for you every day. She diligently brings you before the Lord in prayer. And I don't hesitate for a moment to say that Community Christian Church is at the place that we're at today because of her ministry and the team of intercessors that pray for our church and for our, our congregation on a daily basis. So, <laughs> Pastor Therese, we appreciate you more than you know. Let's welcome her. Okay, we're going to bow our heads for prayer. And we just felt in prayer before the service that the Holy Spirit was giving us an invitation this morning just to come and receive. So, Father, we just open our hearts today. And, Lord, we want to feel and know your heart for us today. We need a fresh revelation of your incredible hand your incredible love for us individually and as a church. So, Lord, open our spiritual understanding. And, Lord, where we don't see you as we should, Father, we pray that you would change our understanding, give us fresh insight, fresh wisdom, and fresh revelation to know just how much we are loved, how safe we are, how protected we are, and, Lord, we pray that for all of the members of our household as well, for that safety and protection and for a revelation for them as well to see you as you really are. Lord, we're thankful today. We are thankful that you know us, that you love us, and you are so much greater in your love and your mercy and your faithfulness than we could ever be. So we just thank you for this fresh revelation today. Continue to draw us into your kingdom and into your presence to know you, to love you, and serve you 
for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen.